0: Hello, I'm
1: Gemma and welcome to another episode of Good Influence. This is the podcast where I welcome our guests to discuss their experiences, answer your questions and teach us something new. This week we're talking about feminism and fertility, the social secrecy around fertility, how to balance assumptions with information and the positive impact of choice for everyone. So joining me this week is Liz Plank. Liz is an author, journalist, filmmaker and podcaster. With a master's degree in gender, Liz wrote best-selling book For the Love of Men about the role of masculinity and how the patriarchy causes harm. She recently released a series called Race to 35 for Dax Shepard's Armchair Expert podcast, in which she and co-host Monica Padman documented the experience of freezing their eggs as they both turned 35.
2: How... Cruel and nuts it is that women are the inferior gender, like in our society, when women's bodies make so, like, make life.
1: So we're gonna talk about. I mean, I'm gonna call this episode feminism and fertility. Okay. I feel like that's what we're what we're really like diving into, like the middle of today. Mm-hmm. So I guess to begin with, tell us about Race to 35. Yeah, oh, Race to 35 is really feels like my little uh,
2: baby, this little, you know, when there's like a school project that you're just really excited about and it doesn't even mm-hmm. uh, feel like work at all. And um, yeah, that that was Race to 35. So it's a podcast about... Uh, The freezing your eggs process and Monica Padman, who hosts uh, co-hosts Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard, you know, she reached out to me kind of out of the blue only a couple of days after I decided to finally kind of go ahead and freeze my eggs um, when I turned Mm -hmm. 35 and she just again, we're friend. I mean, we're friendly, but we we weren't like close, close. We I think we were trying. Mm-hmm. You know, when you uh, there's like you meet a, a a woman, particularly I think it happens between women where you're like, I want to, I really want to be your best friend. Uh, but you, yeah. you and it was the pandemic and. Either I had COVID or she had COVID or I thought I had COVID or she thought she had COVID. Every time we were actually supposed to meet up, um, that's what happened. So we weren't that close. But then she just was like, are you freezing your eggs? And uh, I, I was really kind of, um, yeah, w- w- was only a few days into the process of deciding to do that. So, so strange and and beautiful and kind of magical. And I was like, yes, are you? And she was like, yeah, I want to do a podcast where we document the whole thing. And I, mm. you know, because I'm turning 35 and I was like, I'm also 35. And then she was like, well, our periods would have to be synced. so It'd be kind of hard. And I was like, I'm on my period right now are you and she's like me too it was so so serendipitous so I you know a couple weeks later ended up um you know kind of moving to LA for a month um to do this with her and um it was like camp you know really like the way that you form a friendship when you go away to camp (laughs) like sleepaway Mm -hmm. camp uh was really kind of what what happened and i feel like you can even feel it within the first episode and even like then after the second one the third one and then the last one we're like just so comfortable with each other and we have built Mm -hmm. so much and you know we had so much intimacy because we were going through this pretty hard thing together um and so yeah, we, we basically recorded every day of the uh, whole process. We are taking people through, um, you know, the ins and outs of 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 what this looks like, what this feels like, what can happen. And then we had all these amazing, brilliant experts come in um, from Esther Perel, who helped us talk about, you know, how to deal with the results, right? Um, so, you mm-hmm. know, not to give too much away, but uh, yeah, Monica had, uh, Monica and I had very different results and and it was, mm-hmm. yeah, the this sort of concept of an ambiguous loss and what do you do when you know you lose something you didn't even really have right um and uh which extends to miscarriages and all kinds of different experiences for for women but people in general um to fertility experts and we had dr huberman come and talk about fertility for women but also fertility for men and um and yeah you know queer families come on and talk about the the process that they went through and it was and chelsea handler come in and talk about not wanting kids and i just Mm -hmm. feel so actually like proud of, of, of what we did. And I, yeah, I've had women, I mean, literally last week I had a woman just walk into this coffee shop where I work in Brooklyn and she looked at me and then she just like dove into my arms and started crying. <laughs> and she was like, I've just like, oh, wow. you know, I went through a really difficult um, process with it and it helped me so much. And this is the kind of, you know, thing that obviously that's why I, I do, um, the, 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 you know, talk about the kinds of topics that I talk about, which are not easy or like fun at times but mm-hmm. I think you know where where particularly women there there there's a dearth right of like community around um I think fertility
1: and and uh so many different issues like that for women yeah I mean I think that's kind of yeah that sort of emotion from a stranger even I think that really speaks to the level of kind of like well I mean I guess privacy but it feels more like secrecy that there is around all this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. right like I mean even where if you think about you know pregnancy in the in whatever kind of sense it's the the way that you know you usually don't tell anyone about it for a certain amount of time and like and I, I do get the reasons for that but like I think there have been a lot of conversations that have become a little bit more public like people have been really brave and really open in talking about like their experiences of miscarriage and infertility and like all of these different kind of journeys that we're trying to open up Mm -hmm. but like I know that I would really have had like no idea of what the kind of process was around like freezing your eggs and I feel like that's that's the kind of thing that people are starting to sort of mention but I do I just think there's something so powerful about just laying it all out there in the way that you did in that project.
2: Thanks. And uh, and honestly, I think I would have given up on it if I hadn't had a friend mm-hmm. to go through it with. And I was actually uh, catching up with a friend yesterday and she – is uh you know turning 39 was her birthday dinner um and she she basically was like i started doing it and i got overwhelmed and then i stopped and i really related to that and and again if you listen to the podcast you hear a whole host of like we're very honest you know about about the Mm -hmm. ups and downs and yeah it's, it's like even that first uh appointment which is you know, you're not even doing the shots. You're not even doing all of that yet. You're just going in mm. and they're telling you the amount of eggs that you have and your fertility levels and what you can expect. And I blacked out. Like I legitimately do not mm. remember most of the information that I was told during that appointment. And I was wearing a mask. So like, because it, it was, you know, kind of still pandemic um, times. And I actually like had trouble breathing. Like I, I was like, am I having a panic attack right now? It might be the mask. <laughs> it might be a, a mix of all of it. But it, it, it is like, I think it's important to acknowledge that Fertility has all these ap- impacts on your body, right? And that alone is uh, a lot. But all of the mm-hmm. emotional aspects um, that that again either don't get talked about or don't get acknowledged, and so when it happens, you think that there's something wrong with you. You think that you shouldn't be doing this, um, or or it just makes it worse, right? Because you're 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 not. Um, yeah, just feeling like this is a normal part of the process, and that it's okay that it's scary, it's okay that it's confusing, it's okay that you're overwhelmed by. I mean, I have ADHD, and I talked about how just the process of the needles—you're mixing the needles yourself. Like you're, you're—it almost feels like you're in a meth lab. Like I, I think if men froze their eggs and had eggs. Um, it, the whole process would come with a nurse, nurse, a therapist, a driver. I mean, you have to go to the hospital every two or three days to get um, a blood uh, a shot or, or a blood. Uh, you know, they they take blood, they test your blood. I hate needles like to a point that's not you know like kind of like a kid, and and they do a transvaginal ultrasound as well where they're monitoring the eggs. Like it's it's invasive physically and and yeah. that has an emotional toll. Um, and so I think that part almost. Um. again that I think resonated with a, with a lot of people who were listening who felt like okay it's okay that I'm like not okay you know
1: yeah absolutely yeah was it quite were you su- were you surprised by the process because I mean you said that you had actually decided to do it kind of right before Monica asked you which yeah. I mean as you said is such serendipitous timing but how had you kind of what ideas did you have about it when you had already made that decision just on your own like how did you come to that decision did you already have a lot of preconceptions around around this process
2: I had so many preconceptions and that was also part of why even before Monica reached out, I had kind of decided, I mean, I'm also like zero to 100, like I have no nuance. I'm so black and white in terms (laughs) of um, my thinking, my moods, like I've everything. I'm I'm definitely one of those people. And um, and and so I had gone from like, I'm not freezing my eggs. Because that means that I lost. That means that someone, you know, no one picked me. It means that I was too focused on my career. And I am, Mm. I now have to, yeah, like do this pretty invasive thing. Um, Like I associated egg freezing with like this myth or this kind of like really negative image that we have of like sad single Mm. cat ladies. Like I, I really, it's. It's pretty like, and I think it's important for me to say it because I have like a master's degree in yeah. gender. Like I think about this stuff all the time and I think about, and I have the privilege to, to be able to, to, to have the time and to do this as a, as a, as a job, um, to really try mm-hmm. and unlearn the patriarchal programming of being a woman in a patriarchal society and I believe that, and so I I really yeah. think it's important to to so as soon as I basically decided I was going to do it, I I went well now not only am I going to do it, but I'm going to tell everybody about it. Like I I wish yeah. someone had done I I wish I had seen someone like me do it and do it in a way that that made me feel um, yeah excited empowered um, and and I. Uh, I hadn't come across that, and so I thought it was important for me to 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 do it. And honestly, the real impetus for me was like my dating, like my dating life. And and for anyone who's listening, again, it doesn't really matter what age you are. It's like uh, mm-hmm. you know, I I but I definitely didn't feel that kind of urgency in my twenties that I I definitely started to feel in my mid thirties. And I know that for a lot of women particularly coming out of the pandemic it's like all of a sudden yeah I was like 33 32 and a half like whatever like okay like I'm starting to think about it and then all of a sudden I was 35 and 35 has this you know mm-hmm. that's why we we called the podcast uh well Monica uh you know branded it and came up with it but but I thought it was a, a great name for it right race to 35 because 35 mm-hmm. is when again it's kind of this arbitrary number I, I think it's you know the more we kind of digged into it and we had experts come on, the more we realized that it was kind of a made up thing. um. But, but 35 is still this like kind of threshold, right? Of, you know, that's when technically you're in mater- like advanced maternal age. And even mm. th- some doctors use, still use the term geriatric pregnancy, right? Like that's not oh, how you feel so when rude. you're 35. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. You're like, wait, what? Um, And so, and, but I will say, having looked at a lot more data, through this process, you know, 40 is kind of the point where if anyone's listening and they're thinking about freezing their eggs or thinking about fertility, 40 is a time where things do dramatically kind of change. And um, Mm -hmm. so if anyone is on the fence and you're 37, 38, 30, like I would just say like, do it right now. And I know it's expensive. Mm -hmm. I know it sucks at all the things. uh, And I delayed it because of the price, but I, it, there is a drop off that, that, that starts around you know, at that age. And after 40, it can be too late. So I think it's important to say that without any judgment. Um, But but yeah, Mm. my dating life was a mess. Like I just would go on dates and I'd be like, are you going to be the dad? Like, you know, and no one wants to go on a first date with that energy. That is just like no one's Mm -hmm. having fun, you know, like on that date. And so, yeah, I remember being on a phone with my friend and I was doing a lot of work around like codependency and you know it's a a, I I definitely have a history of of relationships like that and so I was working on that and my friend was like you know why would you you're trying to control the one thing you can't control which is like when you're going to meet the person and you're not you're the one thing you could control with it which is you know your fertility and freezing your eggs and using this amazing technology that we have you're not doing it Mm -hmm. so like let's like you know and that helped me a lot um my friend Chelsea when she said that and um and yeah in that moment kind of clicked for me yeah that makes so much sense how old are you how old are you are you thinking about fertility stuff like are your friends talking about it do you feel like it's something
1: that comes up I mean I'm 32 so everyone's talking about it all the time (laughs) but yeah it's 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 the kind of thing where I feel like it's it's this sort of age where you spend like your entire like teens and 20s being told that like you know if you sneeze the wrong way you could get pregnant so like be, yeah be careful which I mean technically like it's good advice like it's good yeah like you you can get pregnant when you don't mean to with with all kinds of things so it's good to be that cautious when you're not <laughs> trying to have a baby but it's just yeah the, the flip that happens and like so I don't have any children I have friends who have children I have friends who don't want children friends who Mm -hmm. still don't know if they want children and it's all kind of it definitely is a conversation that happens a lot but I think it's kind of I really wanted to have this conversation with you because I think part of what I love so much about you doing this whole process publicly is kind of I think it can be hard and on a weird level can feel not anti-feminist but like looking at the realities of the biology and the timelines of these sorts of things I feel like because in kind of feminist conversation we've spent so long trying to work on the issue of kind of saying you know women don't have to have children yeah women shouldn't be expected to have children I mean I'm using the word women here in this conversation as you and I are it obviously there are other people who it could apply to in these fertility in this facility sort of sense but I feel like because now we don't want to put the expectation on we've kind of not talked about this stuff as much and because people have like been focused on career which is great and it now it almost feels like well we can't talk about this because it it's like we're, you know, yeah. putting ourselves back in a certain kind of box. Like yes. I know, I've definitely felt like that. Does that make any yes. sense to you?
2: It makes so much sense, and I've actually been reflecting on that, per- you know, just in personally, and mm-hmm. and I think it applies to a lot of things. I think it applies to sex and our sexual lives as women mm-hmm. too. Because I um, am sort of, I mean. Your thir- let's talk about it I also feel like no one really warned me about the your sex drive when you're 30s like women in their 30s are in their sexual prime like something just like unlocks and the way that I could just kind of in my 20s be like yeah like, i don't need like i could like whatever like i remember talking to a, a friend when i was uh in, in my 20s like she had this she was in this long-term relationship and she was kind of like or, or sorry long distance relationship and she was like oh, i don't know you know if it's long long distance it might be hard i was like it's fine you guys will see each other once in a while and she was like no liz you don't understand when you turn 30 <laughs> like like you have to have like it, it's just like becomes like a real need and 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 your drive changes and i remember being like oh, okay Sure. And then, yeah, I, I really think that when I look back at my 20s, I think that I associated sex with submission mm. or subjugation or uh, being degraded and like even like sexism and, and, and oppression. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that is just like, you know, uh, this conservative talking point of like women can't be women and like women are. are but but I think that it's complicated. Right. Mm-hmm. Like to grow up in a society where men are a threat, but also you're like, you know, it's like you're in bed with the oppressor. Right. This this really um sort of quintessential feminist quote, mm-hmm. which makes, um I think, feminism this really I- complicated, but really interesting place where, you know, yeah, you. I don't know, you're you, you you're abused, you're harassed, you're used, you're exploited. You see women being exploited and being abused, like mm-hmm. other women, right? Like I grew up in a family where there was a lot of sexual violence. And so I was like purview to that from a really young age. And it mm-hmm. like, I have intergenerational trauma from that, like that I'm working on off of things that didn't even happen to me, but that happened in, to women in my family. Mm-hmm. And so I have empathy for my 14, 15, 20 year old self, um, not feeling comfortable, uh, being fully liberated in, in bed and associating certain, uh, you know, sexual acts with like submission or again, like, but, but then I, yeah, now that I'm in my thirties and I'm like enjoying my sex life a lot more and, and that I'm getting to know myself, you know, um, more intimately uh, and 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 in a way that feels really empowering actually and really liberating i i kind of yeah i i i feel this kind of grief around like what i could have been doing you know this whole time mm-hmm. and um yeah. And, and so, and so, and the thing, same thing applies to, to fertility and, and motherhood. I think that in my twenties, I, I also had this complicated view of, and, and even in my early thirties, I didn't want to be a mom. I wanted to be a dad. I write about this in my book, like, um, for the love of men, where I'm like, I, I see what it's like to be a mother and a mother in the United States, which mm-hmm. is like, there is just not like, you know, the, the, the U.S. state literally neglects mothers, right? Like, I I don't think there's a group that it neglects more. And obviously it affects black mothers more. It affects like, you know, you add all of these intersectional identities and it's and it's even more Mm -hmm. or it's even worse. But there is like no support. And then and then we had the Sheryl Sandberg, right? Like, sort of like 10 years ago, wave of sort of this corporate feminism and this you know, I think there were good intentions behind a lot of the women who were talking about this, but it was still kind of like, be a man.
0: Mm. And
2: that's freedom.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I, and same thing with sex, right? Like, call your daddy and these kind of, you know, there are women that talk about sexual liberation, but it still feels like liberation. It still feels like privilege and not freedom. It still feels like domination and not, not, not liberation. Yeah. And Uh, yeah that I feel like what you just brought up I think is actually really crucial to so many different things in women's lives where we're not living our full lives you know Uh, because it's complicated to do that in 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 a patriarchal society
1: yeah it really is and I think it's it is the whole thing of kind of I mean I think what it all really for me boils down to is choice And the sort of if you take egg freezing as like an example of just a way to give yourself another choice. But it's like, yeah, going back to the whole sort of feminist angle on it is I feel like we swing so hard one way or the other. And when you when you kind of there was some data that came out, I think it was maybe last year, maybe the year before, but I remember it kind of going around on social media where people were talking about women's fertility and the kind of like ceilings like you say like people you know talk about 35 as a particular barrier of a number talk about 40 as a particular barrier Mm -hmm. and people were kind of coming out with all this data and I, I think what it was was that it was saying if you want x amount of x number of children this is the kind of age that you should be maybe thinking about about starting to do that and it really like had people kind of up in arms for a few days I remember because I think it is that thing of we're told yeah in that sort of Sheryl Sandberg like girl boss kind of way that like this is what you should be doing this is what success should look like to you this is what you should be aiming for this is what you should prioritize and then suddenly people were kind of throwing biology in there and they were going well actually you also need to be thinking about this if that's what you want like you you can't really leave it as long as maybe you would. But then I think some of the kind of, not backlash, but some people's opinion to that was kind of, don't tell people they should be doing this, don't tell people they should be doing anything. And I'm kind of going round in circles now, but it really is, it's the whole, the whole choice thing of it's just giving people options, but I think we still prioritize one option over another, right?
2: Yeah. And no nuance on the internet? What? Never I happened on anything, right? It's, do you believe it's, I, me that I, that I, happened? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I do feel like there, there's – and even like the nuance of womanhood, right? Like uh, I, I think that's part of it, right? That, okay, being an empowered woman be- means like I got to, you know, make a lot of money. I got to um, – you know, be super confident and and get promotions and you know be a badass and and also like have sex but not really care and right like mm-hmm. it, it it's like very black or white right which again i i'm a a, a definitely um an expert in black and white thinking and i do this in my life where i do go to extremes and Mm -hmm. i and obviously that i think that's what's happening to us as a society in general Mm -hmm. um you know politically spiritually like socially um I, i think we we do really like are going from one extreme to the next and it's kind of exhausting and you know the other thing that that i i feel it doesn't get talked about is that you know yeah, there's these, there's this biological clock number that hasn't like changed and, and is kind of hard to change, you know, uh, unless you have technology. And mm. I think that that's also like, we don't talk about egg freezing as, I mean, it's an incredible, it, it's probably like one of the greatest evolutions in technology in the last 10 years. And so are mm. abortion pills, by the way, like, like abortion by mail and abortion by pill um, is, is if it, Affected men would be like, you know, all the conversations we're hearing about like chat AI and like chatbots, like that would be abortion pills and egg freezing. Like it's incredible how, you know, the FDA in the States approved egg freezing uh, for women, for healthy women 10 years ago.
1: 10 years Mm. ago. This is like incredible. Yeah, I actually, I didn't realize it was that recent, honestly. It is so recent.
2: And again, I think if, if it was like, you know, the iPhone or like whatever, like something that mm-hmm. uh, that men used um as as frequently, we we would know those things and we would recognize that like, yeah, it's there's something that feels like unnatural about doing it the, the egg freezing way. And that was one of the barriers for me where again, I felt like I'm there's something wrong with me that I'm not doing it the the way my mom did. But mm-hmm. do you know what how different my life is from my mom's life? Like when my mom was thirty-five, she had a mortgage, a husband, like already a kid. She had, you know, retirement savings. Like I have none of those things. <laughs> and it's and a lot of people our age, including men, right? It's not that women have been focused on their careers too much and like women are, you know, cold bitches. Like all of us, um, men included, have had a very different economic situation than our Parents did, and yeah. in the states, I don't know about the UK, but you know, uh, people call it like one of the largest transfers of wealth in history. Um, mm. That's gone from boomers to uh, from from sorry millennials uh, to to boomers, from young people to older people because of all of these different um, changes in our in our population. Um, uh, patterns but also the way that the tax ex- the tax system is uh set up and the way that there's been you know a- again especially in 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 the united states a lot less social programs and a lot more money going to you know and it's good like we want to support older people and the things that mm-hmm. they need obviously i want my parents to be alive for as po- long as possible but i would like Yeah, I can't afford like a fraction of what they afford and and, uh, uh, afforded. And so we we also have to acknowledge that. And and that's where I feel like that clock that, you know, what you just said, like that really really. was my experience where I was like, okay, everything's different. Like, it's okay that I don't own a home yet. It's okay that I don't have like my whole life put together in the way that my, my parents, you know, had when they were 25. Like, I, I feel like we're like 10 years later, right? Mm-hmm. Like what they had at 25 is kind of what I'm, I have at 35. But- that biological clock hasn't changed, and so yeah. that pressure, you know, and and again, that's where technology comes in. Come, come c- comes in, right? We we use technology in all these different ways to, you know, uh, allow a different way of life than 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 our parents did, mm-hmm. and and that's a beautiful thing, right? And and it should be talked about in in that way.
1: Definitely. I think one of the things that stuck with me from the parts of Race to 35 that I've listened to is where you were talking about actually the proportion of people who freeze their eggs and then don't end up using the eggs is pretty yeah. high, right? Yeah. So I think, to me, and I, I think that's, I don't know, I almost, I liked that part about it because mm. I feel like that really is, and it shows, like, it is a matter of choice, and it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that one way or the other is better, you know, but it is just like leaving a door open for people that they feel like was being closed, yeah, yeah, I mean, the best way for
2: me to understand egg freezing is that it's an insurance policy, mm-hmm. and again. The privilege of having the you know not everyone has that privilege because it costs so much money and it yeah. should not it should be covered and every a lot of things should be covered um, by particularly the u.s medical system that doesn't but it's um yeah it's it's, it's an insurance policy and mm-hmm. and again i wish i'd like thought about it that way as opposed to again If I freeze my eggs, and that means like this is how I'm doing it, and I I'm not gonna again do it the natural nor quote unquote normal way, Um, but seeing it as as a as a insurance policy in case things uh, you know are different for me, that that helped me yeah not dramatize it so much right and and again it's it's what the data is showing us that in you know and I heard all these stories which like you know, people were like, well, my friend, you know, she froze her eggs and then two weeks later she met the love of her life, right? And oh, they ended yeah, up classic. just meeting and doing it, right? And so, but but I I do think that it, um, you know, coming back to, you know, relationships, I think it does help you meet the right person um, or, or, or it can help you be, be in the right mindset to, to meet the right person, mm. to not be in, in this, yeah, panic or, I mean, honestly kind of desperation or fear um, when you're approaching relationships and it and you know one thing that Esther Perel told us which kind of changed my brain you know she was like you have done this differently right like you have had you have used technology to um to to start the you know process of getting pregnant in a totally different way Mm -hmm. so why aren't you thinking about family in a totally different way right like Mm. if we are to blow up the lid on fertility why not blow up the lid when it comes to family and you know she kind of you know she was like don't even like why think that you have to meet." A person? Like wh- why, yeah. um, you know, sort of think that you have to do it that way? Yes, you can. And that's a possibility. But there are many other ways of doing it. And again, that's some of the people that we had on the podcast um, talk about, you know, uh, like, a, you know, uh, and queer couples obviously sort of often have to do it a different way Mm -hmm. and so they're more imaginative in the way that they're doing it but yeah like even if you are straight or you you do want to do this in a heterosexual you know or if you are heterosexual you don't even have to have a child in that heterosexual framework like you could have a child with a friend. You could have a child um, with a sperm donor. Um, There are many different ways of doing it, uh, you know, surrogacy and all that stuff. So, you know, adoption and, and, you know family is is also this really cool dynamic space that that we often feel boxed into or again you know we, we don't let ourselves go outside of that box because we tell ourselves oh that's not normal or that's not the way my parents did it or that's mm-hmm. not the way I imagined my life would go like like my life is so different than how I imagine it would be in terms of my work life mm-hmm. why am I not open to all of the possibilities of it being completely different from my family life and even I like I'm like do I I want kids or do I want like, you know, it's like, do I want to shave my legs for me or do I want to shave my legs for someone else? Like, do I want to have kids for me or do I want to have kids for someone else? Like even deciphering, I mean, that's what's so exciting to me about feminism. And when I started, you know, for me it was like putting on new a new pair of glasses that I could never take off. It's like, oh my God, wait, <laughs> like who I thought I was and who, what I thought the world was like and who I thought I, you know, is all different. And how fun to, you know, have the opportunity to unlearn all of these things and 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 sort of start new. And, and I think that's, you know, what I, I know I g- kind of got to do with egg freezing. Like I started a relationship with my future child just by egg freezing my egg it's so strange to sort of describe it that way but um and and but i don't know if i i would have leaned into that and also like the biggest thing was also like my body's amazing like whoa like fertility is not something that takes away from womanhood and and takes away from your power as a woman it only like reinforces it of just like how cruel and nuts it is that women are the inferior gender like in our society when women as bodies make so like make life and sustain life and have that power like again even if you don't end up having children just connecting with that power i think is really cool
0: many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care Every week my guest and I will be answering
1: your questions and the first one comes in from Elizabeth and she says I listened to the Race to 35 podcast series as it came out and really appreciated it. I'm a perinatal psychologist and I would love to know from Liz's point of view how psychology could better support women and serve us all. Mm. I'm curious about your experience with integrated health cares and like was there any psychological kind of support included in your experience of egg freezing? And how did you how did you manage it? This is a great question. Um, if um, you have mental health issues, um,
2: which I definitely <laughs> have, um, they warned me like a- about sort of how the hormones might impact um, my moods and and um, my honestly like my mental health. And I mm-hmm. thought that they prepared me pretty well. Like they, uh, you know, they brought it up and they told me that. Actually, um, the the worst part can actually come like right after you're done with egg freezing, because that's when mm-hmm. basically um, the hormones um, drop, uh, you know, and or basically there's a drop in hormones, and so that mm-hmm. and a similar thing happens in, uh, you know, women p- for postpartum, um, just the hormonal part, right, like part of the reason why women experience um, a lot of issues, uh, some women experience issues, is because there's that sudden drop in, in, in hormones. And so, but mm-hmm. it can almost sound counterintuitive, right? Because uh, you think like, oh, the hormones are gone, so I should be fine. Uh, but yeah, it, it. and, but I would say that, but for me, it was... Worse during, um, and and again, I'm I was mm-hmm. pretty <laughs> vocal <laughs> on the podcast. I feel like I cried like every you know two seconds. But I, yeah, I I I definitely for me the second, third, fourth day were actually like really bad, um and mm-hmm. challenging for me, and so. I brought it up to my doctor. I mean, again, they they did check in. I think, I, you know, in terms of what kind of support can be offered, I think um, checking in, right? And, and, and not just going in and, you know, um, checking in your blood and how your eggs are doing, but like how you're doing. Uh, again, I've never been pregnant, but it, yeah, like that part matters and that part is really important. Like no matter what you're going into the doctor, you know, for so much of what happens in our bodies will it, it impact our, um, you know, mental health. And so much of what impacts our mental health will have, you know, re- repercussions on our bodies. It's actually like, yeah. I, I think about that even, you know, with like physical and emotional abuse like it's weird that we actually separate those things when physical violence will always have emotional repercussions and emotional violence will always have like very often have physical uh, manifestations and consequences so i yeah. think the same thing really a- applies to, to to this to really acknowledging, you know, and, and, and checking in almost like on the physical chart as much as an emotional chart. And I, I felt, you know, like there was a lot of checking and I, I did my, um, egg freezing with Lilia and, and kind body, which I, you know, really recommend on a, personal, you know, my experience was great. Um, and, uh, and I also, they did warn me like you, you know, make sure you're, they asked me about my medication, you know, that if I was on medication, um, and they also checked in about what kind of, uh, psychological school, you know, are you in therapy? Do you need therapy? Make sure that you are maybe like have an extra session mm-hmm. right when it's done. So that kind of stuff actually, I felt, um, really helped to just acknowledge it and bring it up before the, uh, the 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 patient brings it up um I, I think is a huge one and uh, you know again our last episode with esther prowl um I thought really cuz she has been doing as well as this like world class like therapist uh and and particularly mm-hmm. relationship expert and she has been working in you know basically like kind of started this um support for women in 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 postpartum or, or again just I, I'm forgetting the details but I think it was like an NYU like you know uh sort of you know sort of center for gynecology or something like that and and she was like Mm -hmm. you should have therapists (laughs) you should be thinking about how all of these (laughs) things are you know impacting women and and she talked a lot about ambiguous loss which is I think um you know ambiguous loss is 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 you know defined as losing something that you 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 Losing something that either you never really had um, or, or losing something that you imagined you were going to have and didn't have uh, or, or losing something in a way that's not um, full or complete. So ambiguous loss, yeah. a, a perfect example is a, is a miscarriage, um, right? You are expecting to have a child and then they you know uh, that that doesn't end up happening it happens in egg freezing and that's why we had esther on because monica was devastated like monica that's why we did that extra episode um and i remember talking to my mom about how to support her and my mom had two miscarriages and she was like it's like a miscarriage you know like she had Mm. all these you know even though it's not even it's not a baby right and then you feel dumb because you're like it's not even a baby right like women who have miscarriages uh can blame themselves for feeling so much grief, uh, because it, you know, again, what it was just some, a, a, a clobber of cells, like get over it. Right. Um, same thing with eggs and same thing with, you know, it can, it can happen even in your dating life and relationships, right? Some of us have been more devastated by situationships or, you know, people we, we, we never ended up really dating than people that we did date. Uh, and, and yeah. so there's, um, it can be worse if you're not equipped uh to to really address the grief of that and and acknowledge mm-hmm. the grief of that and if the people around you aren't doing that um i think it it yeah it makes it worse but if they acknowledge the pain and 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 how difficult that is i think that really helps so so yeah that would kind of be my my i mean it's very general but but i'm not a, you know an, an expert in in psychology but i would mm-hmm. just say you know really kind of being um proactive in in, in terms of asking those questions and then having the appropriate s- support if if someone is you know um yeah really affected by any of this at, at mm-hmm. any point
1: right um i think that's that really matters yeah thank you Next question is from Molly who says, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how motherhood is used to discredit women. I feel like as soon as I became a mom, my thoughts became quote unquote silly and dismissed. Mm. I feel like mums are seen as less powerful, less reliable, less credible, less capable and more emotional. In order to be seen as equal, I often avoid mentioning my kids or my role as a mother when I'm in the workplace.
2: Yeah, that blows and is so common and you're not crazy right like this is um backed up by by data there's um a study that was done of employers ranking the productivity of their employees and Mm -hmm. it went as so uh men with kids ranked the most productive men without kids ranked the most um, productive, then women without kids ranked the most productive, and then at the very bottom was women with kids, right? So it's not... So why is that flipped around? That makes no sense. Right? And we even see it in terms of remuneration, right? This isn't just like how employers are going to feel about your work and therefore treat you, Mm -hmm. but even there's a motherhood penalty. Um, And and again, the wage gap at this point in the United States um, is larger between mothers and non-mothers than between men and women. So even like the fact really? yeah, it, the fact that we call it, I mean, again, there is a gender gap and I don't like, you know, there's enough people telling us it doesn't exist that I don't want to get rid of that term. But I really do think we need mm-hmm. to acknowledge that, you know, uh, you know that's why I was telling you like a state that doesn't provide parental leave, that doesn't provide the, the right kind of support in the workplace is a state that's sexist and it's a state that's anti-motherhood mm-hmm. and, and, and anti-mothers. And so the fact that you feel that is completely normal, the fact that you feel Mm -hmm. like you shouldn't bring up your kids because you're going to be treated differently, is unfortunately pro- you know uh, I don't know I, have, I you know maybe not in your workplace that's the case I'm not saying I know that but generally a- a- across the board that can happen and so that's where mm-hmm. I think it's really important for men to talk about fatherhood and men to mention their kids at work and men to mention you know when they're leaving to pick up their kid because they're sick or leaving to um Go to their baseball practice or whatever it is. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. there's another study that showed that when men leave early, people assume that it's for a work thing. And when women leave early, they assume that it's for a parent, like a mother thing, like their kid thing, right? So all of these (sighs) stereotypes. You you can't see it, but I'm rolling my eyes. I mean, we're rolling our (laughs) eyes till oblivion, into the, uh, you know, into oblivion. And it's, you know, Mm. I will also say, like, this is so deep that even women have these preconceptions and, and 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 sort of biases and i think that actually takes the pressure or like it makes this conversation less about like men are sexist and like we all have these biases and we all need to take responsibility for 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 changing them and and again mm-hmm. i think for for men to not i mean men also need to just across the board take more responsibility at home women talk about you know all you know the the, the, the mental load and um you know sort of this like weaponized um weaponized what is it weaponized
1: um weaponized incompetence I think is usually what people talk about yeah
2: right and so yeah I think there needs to be those conversations in in private but I think it's an easy thing right for men like men who are looking to be allies and accomplices and just like bring up your kids like do it so you know Mm -hmm. when women do it it's it's not like they don't get treated differently and so that we start also not like yeah. Feminizing parenthood um, and just seeing it as as a responsibility that everybody has. And um, and, and yeah, that that, da- you know, that men with kids get rewarded and women with kids get, you know, punished is, mm-hmm. is really problematic. And uh, yeah, it just it does a disservice to all of us. Like, and, and by the way, I'll just say the data shows that mothers are the most productive workers like that's the worst part <laughs> it's not of even like everyone's equal of course that
1: just makes it so much it worse. makes it so
2: much worse it's like the gaslighting is uh you know astronomical right it's not just like well everyone's as productive it's like no women like women with kids are the most productive people in the workplace and they get paid the least and you know they get treated um the, the worst is, is really unfair and again like that's you know, coming back to our conversation about lean in and like women focusing on their careers and women, like that was the option, right? Like, okay, let me if I'm gonna do well at work and 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 reach my goals as a woman and and purpose, uh, you know, and 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 reach full equality and and my, you know, sort of come into my own fully. Like, I need to elbow my way into it and act like a man, um, and because if i have children then i'm going to be treated like a woman uh right and mm-hmm. and that's yeah that that's a shame i think it's like such a shame and and it's a very it's a very patriarchal way to view freedom, right? Like, it, it's it's still within the confines, you know, and I think a lot about this with some of the conversations that we even have about masculinity lately um, from some of these, like, masculinity gurus. Like, usually I'm so excited when anyone talks about masculinity. I'm like, great. When, when a man talks about masculinity, I'm like, they're going to listen to you way more than they're going mm-hmm. to listen to to me. But I think there's been, like, a new crop of of kind of masculinity gurus who are uh, actually, like, co-opting feminist language, co-opting feminist scholarship uh, and kind of just using the parts that serve men without realizing Mm -hmm. like this is still... You're still using the same patriarchal framework, um, and, and offering the same kind of individualistic, um, self-interested solutions t- to men, which like don't help women for sure. And also you're using our language yeah. and our, all of the work that women have done and literally died to do. Um, and particularly black women have died to do and done. Uh, but, but, but on top of it, you're, you're, yeah, it's, it's not the, you know, it's the right, it's, it's, noticing the right it's diagnosing the problem in the right way but it's offering the wrong medicine and i get Mm -hmm. worried when when we do that you know it's yeah it's kind of a quick fix and it makes people feel good but um it doesn't serve us in the long run um you know and and doesn't serve the world in the long run either sure
1: hearing you talk about all of that i'm gonna sneakily tack in another question just of mine to this q a and now for am not to finish up (laughs) I would love to know what the reaction has been to race to 35 from men in your audience. Cause I guess when we're talking about these kind of things, we kind of assume it's going to be in maybe more likely to be in like very female dominated spaces, but because race to 35 came under, you know, you had the whole armchair expert kind of like family and community kind of like around already have you heard much kind of response and reaction from male listeners and was it what you expected yeah I mean some of my
2: favorite people who have come up to me are men right like I had this guy come up to me in a coffee shop uh and he was I'm I work a lot in coffee shops as you can tell I'm I'm supporting my local coffee shop all the time uh but this guy Mm -hmm. comes up and he's like oh my god I love race to 35 and he's holding this woman's hand and he's like I've been telling my wife all about it like like telling her to listen to it and I just I was like this was the best (laughs) interaction Um, yeah, I think Mm -hmm. like a lot of, of men actually really enjoyed it. And again, I I think it was, we talked about male fertility too. We talked about family systems. We talked about so many different things that, yeah, impact Mm -hmm. men and interest men, uh, a lot. And, but then I did have those like reply guys and particularly like on, yeah, in my comments and just, um, go get, you know, get married already, um, no one wants to hear mm-hmm. about, you know, a woman in her third, like, how- really, like, kind of obviously, like, trying to get to me, um, you know, and-, and again, Chelsea Handler has it a lot. Chelsea Handler talks a lot about not wanting kids. And actually, like, yesterday there was this whole, like, Fox News, like, up- uh, un- unleash this entire um, I-, I propaganda about her and, like, the fact that she's a sad, single, old uh, curmudgeon, you know, uh d- d- a, a, like she's a woman that no one wants And she's unhappy because she doesn't ha- have kids And and yeah it's it's like it, it blows my mind that it's 2023 And like that's still a thing that men will say And like and they call her narcissistic They say she's selfish And and yeah these are still like Big stereotypes that are out there And again why we thought it was so important To be really public about this So yeah I, ha- I have a lot of those guys and And they've stuck around and it's not fun Like it's you know it's sad I, I mean it also makes me sad for them Because I'm like What's going on in your life? You know that that you feel threatened by this, and and yeah, it's not. Um, you know, I think some men view it as like again, if they're not. Uh, if they're listening to a certain kind of media, you know, and they have a certain kind of perspective on it, they can see it as like, well, this is another thing that women are just like doing without like, I think they view it as like men are obsolete and, and women are just like doing things on their own. But the thing that I really think is important to say is like women, I think by and large, like we don't really want to do it on our own. Like we like for heterosexual women. Um. Or even I'm bisexual, but like I love having relationships with men and I want a relationship. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I want a partnership with, 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 uh, with, with a man and I would love to have a family with a man. Like uh, women are desperately trying to, to connect with, with, with men. And, you know, the number one reason, by the way, that women are freezing their eggs is not because they focused on their career. It's because they haven't met the right partner yet. And so women are doing this so that they can meet the right guy, you know, and again, most I'm not like saying, you know, every woman is going to end up having a baby with a man, but a lot of women end up having babies with them. Okay, like, let's just like put it out there. So that's like still kind of the main way that people are doing it. Uh, you know, a lot of women are, want to meet the right guy, want to meet the right partner, and and they're freezing their eggs in order to facilitate that and and to make sure that they, you know, have a child with the person that, with their person so it's it's uh, you know i see it as a way to get closer to men and to build clo- you know more intimate relationships with men not as a way to like you know fuck men and like we're you know i love men i a wrote a book for the love of men it's all about how much i love men <laughs>
1: If you want to know about opportunities to send in questions for upcoming guests, then follow us on Instagram or Twitter at goodinfluencegs, or you can email the podcast at goodinfluencepod at gmail.com. Before you go, I have three things I ask every guest, and so could you please recommend us something to read, something to listen to, and something to watch? Okay, um... Definitely listen
2: to "Race to 35 um, mm-hmm. on uh, Armchair Expert feed. Um, it's on Spotify or anywhere that you, you know, listen to your podcasts. Um, I, I think it's actually like a really fun – again, even if you're not – freezing your eggs, even if you've never even really thought about fertility, like we've had a lot of people just be like, I didn't even care about this, but I really appreciated the, you know, there's a lot of really cool information in there. And and yeah, the guests Mm. we we had were really generous. And um, yeah, there's a lot of like, friendship and intimacy that I think is is fun to listen to. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely listen to that. Um, reading, my gosh, I mean, there's my book, For the Love of Men, right behind me, um, which is a lot more about how to bring in men into the gender revolution and sort mm-hmm. of de abortion rights, de-gender feminism, and, and sort of uh, talk about the ways that really the patriarchy hurts everybody. Um, if you're into that, I would also recommend Bell Hooks, who wrote The Will to Change, um, 20 years before my book. Uh, she's been on mm-hmm. it and it's a really, really good book. It's a great book to give to men too um, in your life because they think so much of this can feel a lot for women to carry and that's why I wrote the book. I really was like – I. Mm spent so much of my energy and time trying to convince men to care about this and, and also yeah. um, convince, uh, I think, the feminine – some of the women around me that that men should be included in these conversations. And so I kind of wrote the book so that you don't have to do – you don't have to do it. You can just give it to them and then have them Venmo you or something like that. Um, and then uh, watch. Yeah. Oh, oh, watch. Okay, well – Oh, my God. I have so many things I love. Um. I mean, again, if you're thinking about uh, more, like, masculinity and stuff like that, m- m- my favorite film uh, do- it is a documentary called uh, Minding the Gap, and it's sort of about, again, it doesn't really, it's not explicitly about masculinity or boyhood, but I think it gives you a glimpse uh, in a really, it's a beautiful documentary, um, mm. it gives you a glimpse of, like, a lot of the things that, that yeah, boys deal with uh, in our current society and how it all, like, you know intersects with uh class and race and um fatherhood and boyhood and all that all all that kind of stuff um I mean so many things I'm reading like I'm reading this really good book actually right now um called on freedom and it's Mm -hmm. Maggie Nelson it's like not the easy like i'm i have to read it in kind of bits because it's there's so much in there that's fascinating yeah. and interesting but it's really kind of about freedom in general in terms of not just feminism but um yeah freedom in general and complicating it you know touches on some of the things that you you know certainly been thinking about of um yeah what does freedom sort of look like and one of the things i, I really glean from it um, was that like freedom is acting as if you're already free. And that's like true liberation. Mm. And I wow, think that yeah. that is, um, yeah, that's egg freezing. That's like, it's like, no, I'm just going to pretend, <laughs> you know, and motherhood in yeah. the workplace, right? Like all these things. I think there's like a really big power. I think in, um, and, and it's not that it's like women's job, but I do think that we're at a point where, women are very, we're very focused on what men need to do differently and obviously we've been talking about it for a very long time and they invented the patriarchy so it's like their problem to fix Mm -hmm. for sure and it impacts them and is killing them as well so they have you know, every, they should have every, you know, interest in in joining women and trying to come up with a better system. Um, But I also think that there's a part where you can get stuck. Like, if your freedom depends on someone else's actions and someone else's decisions, you will never be free. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say, like, you can just, you know, do affirmations and uh, be positive and everything will be yeah. fine. It's not that. It's actually, like, different from that it's it's Mm -hmm. and and again it's connected to mental health it's connected to codependency i think it's a form of codependency i think women particularly uh, are born into a world where they are groomed to be codependent um Mm. and on 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 a lot of you know on on men particularly but on men in all kinds of different ways and on the patriarchy and so for me this book um and just in general I'm, I'm trying to rethink what what freedom means you know for for me um and uh and i encourage everyone who's listening no matter what your gender is to think about that too
1: thank you for listening and thank you liz for joining me if you enjoyed the episode i would love you to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're using to listen and if you're feeling generous leave us a rating and a review as well see you next week